Father, this evening we are in your house. We are in your presence. We have come together as your people, as your children, as your family, as the very body of Christ. And we join our hearts with millions of your other children around the world, O Lord, and we come together in faith. In the presence of innumerable saints and angels who have gone before us, surrounding us. We just want to magnify your holy name, Lord. We thank you for the gift of life today. The sixth day of the fifth month, we have life. It's a gift, Lord. We have strength. It's a gift, Lord. We have ears. It's a gift, Lord. And I pray as the ministry of the word begins, we'll have faith. More faith. Because your word says, the word of God has power to work in those who believe. And I pray we will believe, we will obey, and we will see the works of God manifested in the lives of mortal men and women and children, Lord. Speak to us, for in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. 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 So listen carefully. Like I said, both God and the world, the enemy through the world, wants our mind. Whoever has your mind, has your body. So don't leave your body here and wander in your mind. Focus, young children, don't look here and there, and then don't stare at me also. Okay. Okay. Just focus. We will think that uh, we come through 10 years and it's kind of over. No, it's not over. It's just beginning. It's another another phase, another dimension with God beginning. Like we often hear, like Dickens said, if I'm right, in his famous novel, we live in the best of times and yet the worst of times. Because to understand that, because we are... Uh, 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 Caught in this body, therefore sight, these senses. Believers, therefore faith. Let us imagine a person sitting here is absolutely blind. He can't see, 100% blind. He sees nothing, but he hears. He can hear very clearly. And therefore when he comes and when he goes, he moves because of his hearing. He uses his stick, stick, taps, and he can find his way uh, because he doesn't have eyes. Imagine we all sit here, and he's also here. At one level, we can all hear. And then service is over, and we are leaving, and then power goes. It's absolutely pitch dark. Now, who can see? He can see. He knows his way out. Okay, so we think we see, but faith sees. That's the difference. Only when you are born of God and you have the light of God and you grow in the light, you actually see the darkness outside. And you know it is darkness. And you see the works of darkness. And you see darkness increasing and not decreasing. On one side, human technology, inventions, everything, best of times. On another side, worst of times, because we see darkness increasing. 
That's why scripture says as the day approaches, the day of judgment approaches, darkness actually increases. And he says, do not forsake the gathering. We come together because that's the very sign that we actually believe it's coming closer and closer because we see. One of the most, if not one of the most coldest places on our planet Earth is Antarctica. In Antarctica, the winter temperature drops down to minus 50, minus 60, and almost every bird, if not every bird, that lives in Antarctica during better days, they all leave, except the penguins. The penguins don't leave. They still continue. And as outside, the te- no, they, they have no outside because they live outside. Okay, And as the temperature keeps on dropping, it gets colder and colder and colder. You know what happens? The penguins huddle closer and closer together. Because they realize, if you need to come out alive through this cold, we need to stick closer and closer. And that's exactly what Bible is talking about. People who are alive in the Lord, and they know that darkness is increasing, actually realize they cannot survive alone. We need to come together in prayer, in word, in fellowship, because we know, stand alone, we will all fall away, we will fall apart. So like in the days of Noah, God says, okay, times, like the days of Noah in Genesis 6. The earth was corrupt before God and the earth was filled with violence. Before God, it's absolutely dark, not before man. Okay, So God looked upon the earth and indeed is corrupt for all flesh had corrupted their way on the earth. And God said to Noah, the end of all flesh has come before me. For the earth is filled with violence through them. And behold, I will destroy them with the earth. Okay, That's not what the people on earth are thinking. This is what God is telling to one man who can hear him. Okay, That the report from heaven and the report on earth, absolutely different. In the days of Lot, we are using a terminology of judgment just before judgment, 100 years, 120 years before judgment. And this, a day before judgment. The Lord said, because the outcry of Sodom and Gomorrah is great, and because their sin is very grave. In the first case, they got almost 120 years preparation time. In this case, just a day. The report is the same. And we know, spiritually speaking, it's only going to get worse and worse spiritually. The darkness is increasing. But we as God's people, because we know him and we know his word, we have seen the end from the beginning. And when all these things are happening and there is anxiety and fear in the hearts of people, God says, you should not be disheartened or discouraged. Why? Because everything is happening exactly as he foretold it would happen. Like if you prepared for an exam and the teacher gave you a set of questions before the exams and when you went for the board exam and you open the question paper and you look, hey, I got the questions which my teacher gave. Are you going to be upset? God said, His people alone should not be upset 
Because everything that is happening is exactly what he told would happen in the last days. So that's why God says, lift up your heads because your redemption is near. Unless we are like Hezekiah who doesn't want to go. Unless our hopes and dreams and desires and aspirations are connected with this world and not in the coming one. It's with the coming one, God says, when you see each of these signs, you need to be excited, he says. So 2,000 years ago, 3,000 years ago, 3,500 years ago, 4,000 years ago, different categories of prophecies are there in the Bible, seen by godly men. They had a prophetic visions. And they wrote as they were moved by the Holy Spirit. They didn't understand what they were writing often. They saw, they wrote in their terms. Imagine John the the Apostle writing 2,000 years ago, sitting in the island of Patmos, according to the vision he saw, that the day will come when the end is very close. It's actually here that no one can buy or sell without a mark on his hand. Right? But it's so easy for us. All of us go supermarket, swipe our card. It's in our hand. The click of an online, we have made our purchases, bills are paid. You see? Did they ever think what this meant? They were bartering and carrying coins and all kinds of things they did. And here, it's a click. And it's right here. So a lot of stuff is written which we don't understand, they didn't understand. We, it's very, it's so common for us. But don't take it as usual. It is unusual because things are falling into place. In Matthew 24, verse 7, scripture says, nation will rise against nation. The actual meaning here is ethnic groups against ethnic groups. And we are, we are at the verge, if things don't work out, of a caste war in India. Ethnic groups again, ethnic groups. Whole of Europe and North Africa and all ethnic groups after ethnic groups. North America, US, ethnic groups after ethnic groups. So it is, this is happening before our eyes. Famines, pestilences, earthquakes. It's right. Hawaii is still bleeding the volcano. Guatemala yesterday, 26, 28, died. It's all happening before, but you see, we are so, our minds are so scientifically tuned. We explain it away as a scientific, because we read the paper and say, yeah, 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 yeah. We forgot to read scripture. That's the danger. We ask, we go to school, we get our degrees, and our minds have been taken by the new age God called science. And we forget to see things that are happening right before our eyes. In 24.10, he said, Matthew 24, And many will be offended, betray one another, and will hate one another. You have to hear the stories that keeps coming in every day. The betrayals that takes place in churches, and in families, and in homes, and it's Only increasing, it's not coming down. Betrayal like never ever before. Where you have, sadly to speak, pastors who write to the government betraying another servant of God. Anonymous letters. And they all continue serving. As if they did something great. In Matthew 24 verse 12, 
He says, because lawlessness will abound, the love of many will grow cold. Okay, lawlessness. Love of many will grow cold. What is this love it is talking about? There is something which the Bible talks about, a natural affection. Okay, you don't have to be a believer to have natural affection. A mother loves, a parents love their children. It doesn't matter what faith you come from, parents love their children. Children love their parents. Siblings love each other. Friends, but it's talking about this natural affection will go. It will go. Every day you hear about mothers having left their children in the car in the heat and they come back, the police arrest them, the kids are dead in the heat. All kind of crazy stuff happening, putting children by mistake into the washing machine. I don't know the crazy stories you hear. I'm just giving you the little good ones which can be spoken, not the horrendous things. of even Not even natural affection, that is gone. You see in Romans 1 and verse 21, God said, Although they knew God and did not glorify Him as God and were not thankful, but became futile in their thoughts and their foolish hearts were darkened. You see, all this doesn't happen in action first. It happens in the mind. When our mind goes, okay, either way, the devil knows if he has your mind, he has your body. Okay, two ways, primary ways and he works. Either through a multitude of ideas and ideologies, he gets your mind and then controls your body to do things. Because your mind has been controlled. When you do these things and because your natural affection has gone, you don't even feel guilt. Because whenever you do something, God has wired us in such a way we need to justify ourselves. So, so many ideas float around which your mind takes in and it justifies. Okay? Or, he will take your mind through your body. Alcoholics, drug addicts, what has happened? Because the substances have gone into their bodies and they have become addicts, their minds don't function anymore. So scripture says, first it is the mind. First it is the mind. Once the mind goes, the body follows. Once the mind goes, the mind is futile in their thoughts. They don't think it's futile. They think they are wise because for these futile thoughts, they have got their doctorate, their PhD. But the body will follow. So in chapter 1, same chapter 26, 27, for this reason gave them to wild passions for even their women exchange what? Natural. Natural affections is gone, which is against nature. Likewise also the men leaving the natural. Natural affection is gone. It is natural for a woman to love a man. That's gone. Because the mind is gone. The mind is gone, the body follows. The woman, now is marrying a woman. The man is marrying a man. Why? Because your mind has gone wonky. And they don't see it as. They call it as equality, rights. And they call themselves, if you use the term, progressives. They are progressing. That's why God said, evil will become good and good will be called evil. Darkness. Is called light and light is called 
darkness. So remember, they are after our mind. So there is absolute, total confusion. Absolute confusion. It's coming in into India. Everywhere it is coming in. Governments will start changing laws. You know, in the West, what you call it is absolute, total gender confusion. Men don't know whether they are women. Women don't know they are when. And they keep on changing through the day. You know what the reason for this? These things don't happen overnight. It took for years for the generation to rise, which is absolutely confused gender-wise. Because if you look in the West, they have at least 70 million homes without fathers. How many? 70 million. Now, if I were to ask people to stand up in this room, in whose life there is no father, you would be surprised. You would be surprised. So what is happening? These children, both boys and girls, are primarily raised by one parent who is a mother and a father. And they are absolutely confused what is masculine and what is feminine. Half the time the mother is a father and half the time she is a mother. And these children grow up absolutely confused. And when they are 17, 18, they get out of their house, their gender confusion is part of their life. You see how the enemy has attacked all this because when they said, Jesus, teach us how to pray, his first words was, our father. And father is missing. There's no father on earth. Our father in heaven. Thank you, Lord, you said our father in heaven because you are never missing. Understand what's happening. It's all over here. Okay. So, God's answer to all of this, he has only one answer. It is called the church. He has only one answer. When Jesus left, he set a left of 120 disciples called the church and said, I leave it all into your hands. You work it out. It's his hands. So in a very dark time in Israel's history, there was a man called Nehemiah who will say in Nehemiah 2 and verse 18, he said, let us arise, rise up and build. Okay. Even in the darkest our, remember, church is called to do one thing. We are called to build. Build what is broken. Build what has been destroyed. Build what has been confused. A church is a building place. The church itself is a spiritual building. We saw on Sunday, if you remember, that what God has given to us for building is faith. And faith is an equalizer. The only medium acceptable to God in this work of building. We build in love, but it is built through faith. And faith and sight, you cannot mix. You see, most people, believers, the confusion is, you, like I said, default settings haven't been disabled. You hear then you go out in sight. You hear and you go out in sight. It's like mixing darkness and light. It simply will not work. It simply will. You will continue to struggle all your life unless you decide once and for all, Lord, help me. Let me start building my life in faith. In the first six chapters of the Bible, when you are talking about the, before the first judgment, there are only two builders mentioned. The first six chapters talking from Adam down to Noah, 10 generations, tens and millions of people in 10 generations, 
Only two builders are mentioned by name. The first builder is Cain. And you see him 4.17. Cain knew his wife. She conceived, bore Enoch, and he built a city. He's the first builder mentioned in the Bible. Okay? You would have called it Cain Constructions. Okay? First builder. But you know what? He had built it on a foundation of blood. He had killed his brother. And the ground he's building, spiritual ground he's building, is a foundation of blood. In verse 10 and 12, God says, what have you done? The voice of your brother's blood cries out to me from the ground. Now you are cursed from the earth which has opened its mouth to receive your brother's blood. When you till the ground, it shall no longer yield its strength to you. A fugitive and a vagabond you are. See, when we build, the ground we build on, spiritual ground we build on is very important. Cain built on a ground that was cursed because he had spilt the blood of blood of his brother and never sought forgiveness. Never sought res- res- restoration. Never came to God on his terms. So he built on a foundation which would not last. So t- ten generations later, when the judgment comes, everything built by Cain and his generations are swept away. There's no trace of it at all. Absolutely. The second builder in the biblical record is Noah. He's the tenth from Adam. The two builders in the first six chapters. In his resume, Noah, okay, builders also have resume. When you find you want to build something big, you go check it out and you check their prototypes and their previous buildings. A resume. Look at Noah's resume. No, no. Genesis. I gave you six and verse nine. Yes. This is the genealogy of Noah. Noah was a just man, perfect in his generations. Noah walked with God. That's his resume. Noah was a just man, a righteous man. He was perfect in his generation. We are called to be perfect in, not Noah's generation, in our generation. To whom much has been given, much is required. You and I being perfect according to Noah's generation is not going to work. With all the technology and all the junk that is filling the airwaves and mine waves and everything, we are called to be perfect according to our generation. Because to us, much more is given than Noah was given. Okay? He was just or righteous, perfect in his generation, and he walked with God. Okay? That is the thing. This is the foundation on which he's building. He's not building on a foundation which is of blood, unrighteousness. He's building on a foundation which is laid in righteousness. Unless one's foundation is righteous, there is no point in building. Because the first work that God does in a person's life is to justify us or proclaim we are righteous. Until he does that, he does no work in us. And any work which is not built on this foundation is worthless. It will not stand the judgment that comes. And when judgment comes, everything else was swept away. In our case, everything else will be burnt away. Okay? So Noah had a foundation 
which was by faith. And God considered him righteous. You will see that. And another thing is that he walked with God. When scripture says he walked with God, it also means in terms of heart, not just mind. He was a person who was committed to God. The question is in this 11th year, are we still committed to God? Over and above anybody else, are we committed to God? God is not asking a little Ajay or Sai or Venkat all who are sleeping over there to be committed like me. He's only asking them to be committed like them, their age. But the question is, are you committed even at your age? When you are at your age, you have to look at the children of your age mentioned in the Bible. God is not saying, Ajay, look at Moses. God is saying, Ajay, look at Samuel. Who heard the voice of God. So little Samuel should encourage the little ones among you. Young David, Joseph and Daniel should encourage the teenagers and the little older ones. Everybody is encouraged by their age group. And God says, are you committed to God at that level of your age? He was committed to God. Therefore, he walked with God. Because a work of God can only proceed out of a walk. Because his work is continuous. Therefore, the walk has to be continuous. It's not that you build in three months and finish and give the keys to somebody. It's not that. God is a continuous work is going in us, in us, in our lives, which will only finish when we die. Therefore, the walk also has to be continuous. It's a walk of faith. It's a work of faith. So Hebrews 11, 6 says this. We know it. Without faith, it is impossible to please Him. It's impossible. Okay? It's impossible to please God without faith. How is it? Anyone who comes to God must believe that He is. He? He is. Not He was. He is. That's the difference between God and us. Because God doesn't change and is eternally the same. And what he has said 2,000 years ago is true today. If he has said something, you and I need to believe that it never changes. He is. We may change. God never changes. Anyone who comes to God must believe. Because otherwise using our scientific brains, we'll say, ah, this is Genesis. Teacher told me we evolved. But God says, I created That itself will change the way you approach the Bible. Are you evolved or did you were you created? If you evolved, you owe nothing to anybody. If you create, were created, you owe everything to your creator. If you are confused and the Bible says I made you male and female, you can do a DNA test and find out what your chromosome is. And confusion is gone. And he will say, you know what, I am so confused in my mind, but I look into this DNA report, it says it's Y or X, that's what I am, because that's what God says I am. Your confusion is gone. You don't have to cross-dressing, none of these things, because you see, this is what he says, that's what I am. I refute every other thought, every imagination out of my mind, because what God says is what I am. Why? Because I go to Genesis chapter 1, and I believe that's true, and not what science says. He who comes to God must believe that he is. Without faith, it is impossible to please God. And faith comes from 
Hearing from the word of God. Now we go to Hebrews chapter 11 verse 1. Faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not, evidence of things not, evidence of things not, not seen. Now come to Hebrews 11, 7 and look at the work Noah did. By faith, Noah being divinely warned of things not yet, not seen. Not yet seen. Faith is a substance of things hoped for and the evidence of things not. And Noah being divinely warned of things not seen. What was he warned of? A flood is coming. I'm going to destroy the entire earth. Build something. I'm going to give you the dimensions. Build according to what I tell you. Get your family in. And evidence of things not seen. Not seen. Then he has to start doing a work as proof. I believe what he has said is going to come to pass. Though I have not seen it. Though I have not seen it. Wand of things not seen. You put Hebrews 11, 1 and 11, 7 together, you will understand whether we have faith or not. He was divinely warned, warned of God. Noah had never seen rain before, if you read scripture. He had never seen a flood. But he was divinely warned of a scientific reality, as we would call today, of something called rain. An unprecedented overflow of water. There would be flood and everything that you could see with the eye or not seen, everything would be is going to be destroyed. That's what faith means. Faith is the substance of things hoped for. What did God say? I'm going to destroy everything. And if you build what I tell you to build and build it the way I tell you to build, you and your family get in, you will be saved. And he built. We too are warned in the Bible. The Bible is full of warnings of the judgment that is coming. We have been divinely warned just as Noah was warned. In 2 Peter chapter 3, scripture says, the day of the Lord will come as a thief in the night, meaning nobody has any clue. Has anybody seen the day of the Lord? No. In which the heavens will pass away with a great noise and the elements will melt with fervent heat both the earth and the works that are in will be that's why i love volcanic eruptions because when you watch it you will see absolutely nothing can stop the flow of the lava you see it flowing you see cars being consumed houses being consumed everything can stop its flow until it reaches the ocean it takes away everything on its way all human technology is on its knees before it nothing can stop it and it's beautiful to see. I mean, it's really beautiful to see the volcano from one end in the Hawaii flowing onto the sea. And all the houses, the cars, everything. All you can do is run for your life. But imagine a situation when lava, let's say in terms of lava, is flowing across the surface of the earth. Where will you run? Where will you hide? That's exactly what scripture says. When the day of the Lord comes, where will you run? Where will you hide? So divinely want. Of situations. Works that are will be burned up. Therefore, since all these things will be dissolved, faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. He says, do you believe this is going to happen one day? What manner of persons ought you to be? If you really believe, it will show in the work you are doing in your life. Because Noah believed, it showed in the work he did. He says, if we believe, what will be? We will be in holy contact 
and godliness. It will change the way we conduct ourselves. And we will pursue peace with man and godliness or holiness with God. Why? Because we believe. And if we didn't believe, if we believe, this will show up. We didn't believe, this won't show up. We just changed our religion. There is no faith. And religion is not going to save anybody. Looking for and hastening the coming day of the Lord because of which the heavens will be dissolved. Being on fire and the elements melt with fervent heat. What are we? We are hastening the coming of the day of the Lord. We are looking for. How do you know? It will show in our lives. You'll exactly, whether you are a little child or an older person, anybody sitting over here, you cannot escape this day. You cannot escape this day. Therefore, if you believe, your faith will show. If you haven't believed, your sight will show. So God says, what are we before God's word? Are we skeptics? Are we scoffers? Or are we builders? Noah had to build something that could withstand the judgment of water. We have to build something that is the judgment of fire. Even to believers, God says, you may escape this, but you are not going to escape another fire. Now if anyone builds on this foundation with gold, silver, precious stones, wood, stay straw, each one's work will become clear for the day will declare it because it will be revealed by fire. It's fire that's going to reveal your work, he says. How you built, nobody knows. You may have the best resume, the best certificates, the best, 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 everything. But only God knows how we are building. And if it is not built in faith, through love, God says on that day, fire will reveal. If anyone's work is burned, he will suffer loss, but he himself will be saved yet as through the fire. He himself will be saved if he truly repented and believed because the foundation was right. You come through with the foundation stone alone because that was Christ. Then God's salvation is on the work of Christ and not on our work. So the struggle we face in our times is the same struggle Noah faced in his time. In First, Second Peter chapter 3, again he says, Knowing first that scoffers will come in the last days, walking according to their own lust, saying, Where is the promise of his coming? For since the fathers fell asleep, all things continue as they were from the beginning of creation. God says, I am not giving you any proof in your sight. I didn't give any proof in the sight to the people in Noah's time. I just told them, this is what will happen. Put your lives in order. Nobody believed. But one day it came. Because we don't see anything changing, scoffers will arise. Scoffers will arise. Okay, And scripture says, This is the battle between sight and faith. Do you believe what God has said? Do you believe it is true? We can only build in faith. Faith in God. Faith in God's word. Faith in God's warnings. Faith in the only way out God has given. In Noah's case, there's only one way out given. In our case also, only one way, continuous way given. When everything looked the same in Noah's time, life was the same each day, same as yesterday. Tomorrow they thought it would be like today. God told Noah one thing. In 6.14 he said, make yourself an ark. Make yourself an ark. What did he say? Make an ark. 
And in 6.18, he said, I will establish my covenant with you. You shall go into the ark, you, your sons, your wife, and your son's wife with you. Simple, very simple instructions. Noah was committed to God. Noah was committed to his family. Noah was committed to God. Noah was committed to his family. Get, understand commitments. In Hebrews 11.7, this is what scripture says. By faith being divinely warned of things not yet seen, moved with godly fear, prepared an ark for the saving of his He prepared. We always think he made an ark to save the whole world. No, he built an ark to save his household. Ephesians 2.19 Therefore you are no longer strangers and foreigners, but fellow citizens with the saints and members of the... We are not building a church for the whole world. We are building a church for the household of God. Salvation is for the household members. Destruction from judgment is for the household members. Be part of the household. Okay. God told Noah, build an ark for the saving of your household. God tells the church, build a house, an ark, that's the church, which is for the saving of the household of God. And we can all join into that household. Question is, how do we build? How did Noah build? How do we build? How did Noah build? Hebrews 11. When he was warned of things not yet seen, he moved with godly fear. That's one of the major issues. We build, but we don't build God's way. He moved with godly fear. It's not building a church. It's building a church with godly fear. A fear that is godly. Because we always think, see, even when we hear scripture and we hear about faith, we immediately say, no, but faith and fear are opposites. Which is true. There is a fear in the world and faith are opposites. And there is a fear in the word of God called godly fear and faith. They are companions. They go hand in hand together. Faith, true faith without godly fear is a terribly dangerous thing. Noah built with godly fear. They are companions. Question is, when you and I are warned of things not yet seen, can we be moved? He moved. He not only moved, he moved with godly fear. Can we be moved to do something? And scripture says, he prepared. I like that word better than built. He prepared. There's a preparation to everything. He moved with godly fear and prepared. See, it's God's job. He takes it as his duty to warn us. It's God's job, he considers, to give us the directions, the measurements, 
how to build. But it is our job to build. It's our job to build. It's God's job to give measurements. It's our job to stick to the measurements. God doesn't build. We build. He gives the directions. He gives the guidance. He gives the power. He gives the anointing. But Noah built. He didn't say God built an ark and told Noah and his wife, it's ready, get in. No. It says we build. And every one of us is building an ark. We don't know unless we check it with the word of God. Are the measurements according to your word? Am I building according to your word? Nehemiah said, arise and build. Everyone is building. Question is, what are we building? Will it save our household? Will it save the household of God? If you look in the world, tens and millions of churches, denominations. Will it save the household of God? Lot also built. But he lost almost all his household. Noah built. He got his entire household onto the other side. You see, faith won't do the work for us. We have to do the work of faith. Faith won't do the work for us. We have to do the work of faith. Scripture says he moved with godly fear. He prepared. He built. Turn with me to Psalm 1. Okay, Psalm 1. This is because that is a physical building. Let us look at what it means to us. We are not building a building. For us the building is spiritual. Okay, verse 2. His delight is in the law of the Lord and in his law he meditates day and night. That's the first thing. How is the righteous man who is justified building? First he is justified. Then he starts building. How does he build? His mind is being renewed. Okay. God, you, you and I all have an old body. Not in terms of age, but an old body. A new heart. But a mind that has to be renewed. He's got a new heart. An old mind. The old mind has to be renewed. To renew the whole mind, it is taking the one software out and installing a new one. What is the new one? He meditates upon the law of Lord and in his law he meditates day and night. There has to be two things when it comes to God. You cannot, even when you are young, even when you are young, after being so long in the church or hearing, you cannot... Sit without delighting in his word. Delighting. He says, he delights. He delights. In the law of the Lord, and in his law he meditates day and night. So the first thing, his mind, the database is changing. His mind is being renewed. And what happens? Verse 1. Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor stands in the paths of the sinners, nor sits in the seat of the scornful. He says, because his mind is renewed, it affects his sitting, his standing and his walking. That's the three things which we do, right? We sit, we stand and we walk when we are doing something. The rest of the time we sleep. We sit, we stand, we walk. He walks not in the counsel of the ungodly. He does not stand in the paths of sinners. Nor does he sit in the seat of the scornful. 
check our lives, we will realize where we fall. What does it mean? It means he's very careful about how he builds his life. Extremely careful about the company he chooses to sit with, the company he chooses to stand with, and the company he chooses to walk with because he realizes nothing is neutral. Everything affects my mind. Therefore, it will affect what I build. He's very, very careful about what he is building. Therefore, verse 3 says, he's compared to a tree planted by the rivers of the water. Brings forth fruit. Time can pass on. Season is passing on. But his, the building is still functioning. And it's getting better and better and better. And here its illustration is as the tree. Keeps on. Whose leaf shall not wither? The outside body perishes, Paul says, but inwardly we are being renewed. From glory to glory. His leaf does not wither. And whatever, whatever, whatever. So he does something. There is a work involved. Whatever he does, prospers. See, the doing part is kept at the end. He doesn't sit. He doesn't walk. He doesn't stand. Certain categories. He meditates upon it day and night. He is not a casual visitor to the word of God. He is planted in the word of God. That's the waters. Because he is planted there, he keeps on producing fruit. And God prospers. Whatever he does. Whatever he does. Because it is all falling in place according to God's plan and purpose for him. God is not Going to bless what we won't do. What we won't do. Even to Timothy, Paul says, study, study hard to show yourself. If you want God to bless you, study. Study. I told you studying is a discipline. It's not marks that matter. Show to God you are a hardworking student so that he can bless the work of your hands. He says, I am not going to bless somebody who does not do what I tell you to do. This is not just naming and claiming. There is a pattern in which God works. If Noah has to come through this judgment, Noah has to do a certain work and do it well and do it exactly the way God says, then the work is blessed. He will come through the waters. It was godly fear. That determined where he stood, where he sat, where he walked. The question is, are we building something God can bless? Are we building something that can come through the fire? You know, real faith, genuine real faith is willing to look like a fool as long as God wants. Because we all want to fit in. We all want to fit in. The problem is faith does not fit in. Faith does not sit in certain places. Faith does not stand in certain places. Faith does not walk in certain places. Faith simply does not fit in. That means Noah was willing to be a fool for as long as God wanted. Why? 
because he was divinely warned of things not yet seen. And he believed. He had never seen it. You and I have never seen the day of judgment. But if we believe, God says, you are willing to be a fool. Willing to be a fool. The New Testament is full of warnings, divine warnings. What to avoid and how to build. What to avoid, be careful, be careful, be careful. Warning after warning after warning through the epistles. The Holy Spirit through different writers or apostle Paul will give us one. Let's look at a, look at a couple of warnings. According to the grace of God which was given to me as a wise master builder, I laid the foundation under builds on it, but let each one take heed how he builds on it. Just be very careful how you build your life. Because to God's one specific way of building, there are multiple ideas, sometimes very powerful ideas floating around where they will use scripture to sway your mind. Let's look at some of the things, divine warnings in the Bible, just quickly. First Corinthians chapter 6 verses 9 and 10. Do you not know? Do you not know? That the unrighteous will not inherit the kingdom of God. It's the righteous who in, in, inherit the kingdom of God, right? So there is a justification and there is a building in righteousness. Do not be deceived. Neither fornicators. Premarital sex. Fighting it every day, Lord. Why? Because you said you continue that lifestyle, you are not going to make it. You are building on wrong foundations. Nor Idolaters. I have no idols in my life. Not my family, not my career, not my job, not my sports, not my movies, nothing, not even me myself. It will show you on a Sunday morning when you reach to church, what is my idol? It will show you each day what is your priority, whether you have idols or not. I am not an idolater, Lord, because God says, no idolaters, no adulterers, no homosexuals. Lo, I am gay and my pastor is gay. My bishop is gay. God says, no, you will not inherit the kingdom of God. Don't get swayed by these ideas which have permeated the church because he said, there is a divine warning in my Bible. Divine. You're willing to stand alone. Nor sodomites, nor thieves, nor covetous, nor drunkards, nor revilers. Oh, Lord, please, Lord, I like partying. Nor revilers nor extortioners will inherit the kingdom of God. Okay? Look at this. God says, these are divine warnings in my word about how you need to build our lives. And suddenly when we start taking this all in, we will realize, Lord, I don't fit in. He says, you are never meant to be fit in. You are a square peg in a round hole. You are not supposed to fit in with this world. You are not of this world. I saved you out of this world. You don't fit in. Are you willing to be a fool for me like Noah was? In Galatians 5 verse 19 to 21. Now the works of the flesh are evident. Which are adultery, fornication, uncleanness, lewdness. Lewdness means no shame in the way you dress. Idolatry, sorcery, hatred, contentions, jealousies, outbursts of wrath, selfish ambition, Dissensions, heresies, envy, murders, drunkenness, revelries and the like of which I tell you beforehand, just as I told you in the time past, those who practice, 
You should be fighting it. If you fall, get up and run back to God. But if you're continuing in this practice and then saying that, but God understands. Of course he understood. That's why he sent his son to die for us and sent the spirit to get us out of this mess. Will not inherit the kingdom of God. This is how you build. You do not practice these things. You fight these things every day of your life. And you stumble, you get up and get back to God and say, Lord, I am fighting this with my life. In Ephesians 5, 5. For this you know that no fornicator, unclean person, no covetous man who is an idolater has any inheritance in the... So every church they wrote, they wrote the same thing. This is how you build. This is how you build. Why do we fight these things daily in our lives? Because by faith, being divinely warned of unseen things, we are moved with a godly fear to build what God has asked to build according to his measurements. That's what Hebrews 11 says. He moved with holy fear. He moved with holy fear. Faith and holy fear together should create a movement in our lives. This led to the preparation of an ark. There is a preparation involved. The preparation is for the saving of people. It's not for anything else. Our preparation should fit in with God's purpose. His very preparation caused a separation. He prepared an ark for the saving of his household. He's just preparing something. By his very preparation and how he prepared, he had no idea by which he condemned the world. He condemned the world. By which he condemned the world. Meaning, the very way we prepare our lives is a condemnation of the world. There was an absolute difference as each day went by when he started cutting the first lumber, the tree, as it started building higher and higher and higher and higher. There is a separation that is coming between the world and Noah. But each day you can make a separation because there is no sign of anything that is happening. But by faith, this one man is continuing to build. And God says, by faith, as we continue to build, 10 years are over, 11 years are over, 20 years are over, we are continuing to build and the transformation is taking place in our inside more and more. We are condemning the world. We are condemning the world around us. Because he did not fit in with his generation. The problem is we all want to fit in with our generation. No, a poor man did not fit in with his generation. He looked like a fool. That's why in 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 27, scripture says, God has chosen the foolish things of the world to put to shame the wise. All the people around in Noah's time thought they were wise and this is the fool. But ultimately the foolish man put to shame all the wise. This is our major issue. The foolish and the wise were separated only when the rain came down. 
the wise and the foolish virgins were separated only when the bridegroom arrived. Till then the foolish and the wise, there was no separation. Judgment day will show who is foolish, who is wise. And who are the ones who are wise? The ones who were prepared. It's a preparation that separated. The question is, because you so spend so much time spiritually preparing, the world will say, what a fool. You don't come with all our stuff we do. You don't do the cool things we do. You don't dress like the way we do. You don't talk. You don't listen to the music. That all the music you listen outside scriptural music is affecting your mind. Which you don't realize. It is affecting your mind. Because nothing is neutral. The movies you watch. The books you read. The ads you watch. The songs you listen to. Is affecting your thinking. And affecting your works. But to separate it from them is like a fool. What will my friends think of me? God says, your choice. You have been divinely warned of things not yet seen. And with godly fear. The problem is, that is the issue of faith. We looked at the different components of faith on Sunday. Remember, faith comes from hearing, so it goes into the mind. This is the processing center. Okay, there to process it, you need the word of God. Faith comes from hearing, hearing the word of God. The word of God fights the world and it believes. When it believes, it takes the act of will, moved by holy fear and it has a work. It starts building. So this is the process. The problem is the work is missing. 21st century churches, the work part is missing. We want success, but we don't want sacrifice. The world teaches you of a success without sacrifice. We want a product. See, we are so, unlike the old days, like I said, it's impossible for you children even to understand 21st century. Like, when I was a child, growing up as a little child, in a small little nation outside, up in the mountains, I as a child made my toys. I used to saw to make my guns, my bow and arrow. I made my toys. Now what happens? We get a product. How much is it? 10,000, we buy it. We have no clue the process that came through for this product to come into. How many thousands of people have been sitting and working and working on different, different components put together, you get a... We take it very cool. We want a product without a process. Kingdom of God doesn't work like that. A Noah is a product of a divine process. Moses is a product of a divine process. David is a product of divine process. And when there is fault in that process, he fixes it and keeps on them moving. There is no product without a process. And if anyone Christian thinks, I will be the product that will please God at the end, without going through the process, you're going to be incredibly ashamed on that day and disappointed. Because that's what they teach you. I'm not talking about the world. This is for believers. Wednesday is strictly for believers. We are not talking about the world. We are talking about the church where they say, name it, claim it. They told you about the big house. They didn't tell you about the monthly payments. They told you about the big car you could have. They didn't tell you about the EMI. For which you need to work. If you want to meet the payment for your house and your car, it's not going to come when you name and claim. You need to work. 
They never told you about that. Because they are teaching you something about a product in which there is no process. And God has never done with anybody like that. And he's willing to wait to get a Moses to send out to the people of Israel who are bondage in bondage in Egypt, crying and groaning and crying and groaning. God says, you keep crying. I heard your cries. I won't doing anything because the voice that will set you free, the product is being made here. He says in the process, what is he doing? Looking after his father-in-law's sheep. Lord, what are you doing? I am in the process of preparing this product which will go, stand before the Pharaoh and say, let my people go. The God of Israel says, 40 years a product is being made. God is waiting. God is waiting. That's how he does things. Don't miss the process. Many of you don't miss the process. And especially young people sitting, young girls sitting over here, yes. Young ones sitting over here told you these are things that are important. You wake up in the morning, you have a system in your life. Absolute rigid system because that's part of the process. What you are studying, the subjects is not what is important. The way you study, the way you set apart your day, the way you order your time, that's the process. That's the process. Education is not learning subjects. Education is basically their discipline. For three and a half he taught them, they understood nothing. The day he rose from the dead and he came, scripture says he opened their eyes so they could understand the scripture and he showed them from Moses down to everybody. This is what it means, they understood. What he disciplined them in three and a half years, he taught them in one day. What was he doing? Learn to be a disciple. Learn from me how I wake up in the morning before it is dark. Learn from me how I go to a remote place and cry out unto God. Learn to me how I put my father's will above my hunger, above my rest, above my needs of my body. Learn from me, learn from me, learn from me, learn from me. And they learn from him. His discipline. Then he opened their eyes. That's what education is, the discipline. Discipline. And you know what we struggle with? We struggle with that. We struggle with that. Everywhere we go, everywhere we hear, they say, GTC, how can they sit for one and a half hours and listen to the word? Even the biggest churches in Hyderabad, the pastors say, how does your church sit? Our church, 35 minutes, they start complaining it is too much. He said, from the beginning, we taught you one discipline, learn to listen. Because faith comes from hearing the first discipline you need to do. That's why I tell you, look here. Not because you need to listen to my voice. Just get the discipline of listening. Because one day you will realize in life, the only thing that matters is, Lord, give me the ability and the discipline to listen and to hear. That's all that matters. Because if you don't have that discipline, it doesn't matter what other discipline you have. If you don't have the discipline of hearing, You may have every other discipline in the world. It's not going to help you because ultimately scripture says, those who have ears, let them hear what the Spirit of God says. We need to have the discipline of how we hear the voice of God. You may have to sit sometimes two hours to hear one God word that God is specifically speaking to you. That's the discipline. That's what we are talking about. 18 years Year after year, week after week, month after month, the lady with the withered hand. I have to give hats off to her dedication. 
Who will come to church with a withered hand where nothing happens? The rabbis will stand there and scold them and read the scripture. It's so boring. She will come 18 years without fail with a withered hand. And one day Jesus appeared and said, be set free. What if she had given up on the 16th year? What if she had given up on the 14th year? 12 years with an issue of blood, old woman. Then she heard somebody who lost all her money, all her health, everything. You are hopeless. Not you are not hopeless. She still had the ability to hear. Scripture says when she heard about Jesus. Thank you Lord. Though she had no strength in her body, she had not lost her ability to hear. She heard and she said, if only I could touch the hem of his robe. And she came, she pushed her, whatever strength was left, she pushed her way through, got on her knees, touched the hem, virtue left. Jesus didn't know. He had no clue. The father saw, said, let virtue flow. Did you see? So all it takes is that. But that doesn't come overnight. It's, 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 it's a practice. It's a practice. It's a practice. Elijah will stand outside the cave on Mount Horeb and he says, Thunder? How does he know the voice of God is not there? Because he has practiced the discipline of hearing the voice of God. He says he's not in that. Earthquake? He's not there. Fire? He's not there. Wind? He's not there. He heard the whisper. That's the voice of God. I know that. It's a discipline. It's a discipline. Don't. Ultimately, in this life, in the next life, the only thing that matters is did we hear his voice? Did we hear his voice? That's all it matters. Did we hear his voice? Ask blind Bartimus. Did you hear? Did you hear? Bartimus says, I heard. Everybody told me, shut up, but I heard. When he heard Jesus was passing by, he said, Jesus, Son of David, have mercy. Everybody said, shut up. He shouted even more loudly. And he said, stop. Bring him to me. That's it. Vatima's life will change. So remember, we too have been divinely warned. Did we hear the warnings? Did we hear the warnings? Have you heard the warnings? And we are making appropriate changes into our lives according to the warnings. Have you heard? You know, which are the good businessmen in this world? Good business, really successful businessmen. Really good successful businessmen make investments looking at the future. They will borrow, not like the fellows who ran away, but they will borrow. And they will invest. And they will borrow and they will continue investing. And they will say, how do you expect to repay it back? They said, I'm looking into the future because I see this chart line. This investment, looking into the future, one day it is going to multiply. And then all this will be gone. I'll, my life will be running on a profit. I look into the future. My today's investments are based on the future. They're good businessmen. Are you a good, good, good businessman? Businesswoman? Are you investing in the future? 
Are we investing in the future? The future has been told. Everything will be wiped out. And there is an eternal kingdom that is coming. Now as told, very easily told, very clearly told. Build this, you, your household get in, everything will be destroyed by water, then you will come out, it will be a new creation, you take and inherit. That's the thing. He was divinely warned. Genesis 6.13 says he was divinely warned. Genesis 6.18-21 to 21 says, Yeah, I will establish my covenant. You, your sons, your wife, and all this living creature, all of you getting get in, he said. He believed. 120 years before anything happened, he believed. And he built. Nothing changed in the next 100 years. Everything looked the same. But Noah had the word of God. You and I have the word of God. He stood alone against all the ridicule. He built in holy fear. And he very carefully stuck to God's dimensions. Let me tell you something. When Noah built his ark, in his time, his building was the strangest looking building at that time. His building did not correspond with any building anywhere being built on earth. It looked like a we, we now saw ark and we go ark museum. No, think about his time. It looked like the most weird construction man had ever seen. Every other construction looks normal in their eyes. This looks like a weird construction. But when judgment came, this weird construction rose higher and higher and higher towards God with judgment because the very vessel of judgment took it closer to God. Well, all the others got swept away. The question is, does your life look weird to the people around you? Daniel's life looked weird to the people around him. So our lives look weird to the people around us, the way we are building our lives. They actually want to call us, you fool, wasting your time. You see, Noah was not building to impress his neighbors. He was building to escape judgment. If he built according to God's Plan, there would be a new beginning, a new earth, washed clean, and he and his household would inherit it. Isn't that exactly what God tells to us too in Second Peter chapter 3? But the day of the Lord will come as a thief in the, year, in the night, in which heavens will pass away with a great noise. Elements will melt with fervent heat, both the earth and the works that are in it will be burned up. Therefore, since all these things will be dissolved, what manner of persons ought you to be in holy conduct and godliness, looking for and hastening the coming of the day of the Lord, because of which the heavens will be dissolved, being on fire, the elements will be melted with fervent heat. Nevertheless, we, according to this promise, we look for what? New heavens and a new earth, in which righteousness dwells. You see, 
This is not going to happen unless we go back to what he said in the beginning. Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. Then you will be looking forward to a new heaven and a new earth where righteousness dwells. The very fact that we are not seeking is is reflected in what we are looking for. If we seek this, then this is what we are looking for. If we are not seeking this, this is what we are looking for. That's exactly what is told in which righteousness dwells. Now you clo- as I close the final words, Hebrews 11, 7. Looking f- faith, Noah being divinely warned of the things not yet seen, moved with godly fear, prepared an ark for the saving of his household, by which he condemned the world and became what? Heir of righteousness. So Noah and our generation, when it comes to actual effect, is the same. He became the heir of righteousness, which is according to? Which is according to faith. A righteousness. Which Paul will say is from the beginning till the end. Faith by faith. It's nothing else. Without faith, it is impossible to please God. They are opposites. Faith and sight, children, are absolute opposites. Don't waste your time. Don't waste your time in things which have no meaning in the kingdom of God. Everything, you have to start turning in this 11. doesn't matter how young you are. have to start Turning your life towards God, His word. Do your studies accordingly. Do your work accordingly. Do everything that you do accordingly. And God says, I will prosper your work. Everything that He does prospers. Why? Because He is doing. But people will not. Please listen, don't misunderstand me. People will not recognize your prosperity. When Noah was building he was actually prosperous. They didn't recognize his prosperous. He was pulling out money from the ATM every day, buying lumber and building this. He's pulling, selling out this plot, taking the money, building lumber and building it. Then he realized I don't have enough for a window. He goes and sells even more and building anymore. He was like, what a fool. By the time he finished building, he had nothing left on earth. They were saying, Rain came. Buddha is sitting nicely inside and eating while everybody is banging on the door and God shut the door. So don't misunderstand success and prosperity. Okay, because that's why I said, Noah did not live his life before people because if you live your life before people, then all our understanding of what is prosperous, what is success, what is wisdom, everything changes. We have to live by faith because what is prosperous is what God calls prosperous. What is success is what God calls success. What is blessing is what God calls blessing because there is something about what God says true, blessing, success, prosperous is this. We, we I will, as a close I'll put it in terms of what we used to say in literature. If a book, if a a novel is really good, it should last time. Almost everything in today's libraries, you won't see it after five years. Nobody will read it. Because it won't stand the test of time. That's that's why Shakespeare is still taught today, though he wrote it 400 years ago. It has stood the test of time. And one book which has stood the test of all time is this. Okay, remember, the bestseller even now is the Bible. So what does it mean if you are truly prosperous? Your work should last here and last there. Your work should not be burned by fire. You can take your work from here 
Egypt. You have a, what you call, a seamless journey from this life on to the next life and your works follow you. Doesn't stop. And because it followed you, God says, well done, my good and faithful servant. What do you want to do? I want to work. Take ten more cities. You're successful here and your success is appreciated there. In the world, success dies with your death. You make a million, your children blow it off in two years. It's gone. It's gone. But in the kingdom of God, it doesn't work like that. So please don't misunderstand what success is. What success is. That is what true success is. That if you are a successful as a parent, as a father, you have passed your legacy on to a child or a spiritual child who continues what you started. Most of us was an unsuccessful physical parent, incredibly successful spiritual parent. Though his sons won't follow him, Moses and Caleb, sorry, Joshua and Caleb will go and possess the promised land, what the father couldn't do. His legacy is flowing on. That's what I'm talking about success. That's what real success, not here. It should pass on to the other side. So all those you see in the Fortune 500 companies, in the books and all, nobody will be there on that side. Very, very few. Nobody. Because their success won't go on to the other side because the foundation was wrong. So this evening, our first Wednesday of this sixth month of the 11th year, first month of the 11th year, my prayer is reorient your thinking, your mind continuously, constantly bring it back and encourage one another. When you are older, Spiritually, you know your younger sister, older sister is going off track. Tell them, please, don't speak like that. Didn't you hear in church? Quick to listen, slow to speak. Don't, don't. Be careful about what you hear. Be careful about what you say. Be careful about what you do. Because we are building something which we want to take on to the other side. Shall we stand? Shall we pray? Father, this evening we just come to you, Lord. We just want to thank you. We just want to praise you. We just want to worship you, Lord. This is a battle for our minds, O Lord. I pray all the slots will slowly fall in place for all your children, Lord, all of us. That our thinking will align with the mind of Christ Jesus. That we will learn to take steps of faith, even the little ones, little steps of faith in everything that we do. That our works may be acceptable in thy sight, O oh Lord. Commit this generation into thy hands, Lord. Everyone standing here, Lord, the same generation, maybe young, that old, but maybe the same generation that will see the Lord coming. And I pray, Father, with godly fear, we will be moved to do the work which you have called us to do, Lord, building the household of God that will come through the fire as Noah's household came through the waters, O Lord. Thank you, thank you, Father. We praise you, we worship you, we glorify you, and we bless your holy name, Lord. Be with us the rest of the night. Thank you, Lord. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.